So before I start, and not to put Vanessa on the spot, she here. <laughs> Vanessa. Okay. She shared on Friday night. We had we had we had youth get together, and I hadn't written anything down, so she couldn't have read my notes. But she almost was like, "Okay, should I even preach this on Sunday? Because most of it's already been mentioned." But she, no pressure. She made an acronym called ADAPT, A-D-A-P-T. You know when you put a word to the letters of the word. Do you want to share that, Vanessa? Come forward, please. I'd love you to. Good afternoon. Sorry for my voice. It's only because I was praising Jesus the whole weekend. Okay, so, um, um, <clears throat> sorry. So I was sharing on Friday, it was after Marco shared something at youth a few weeks ago, and he spoke about like relationship with God, and I felt God like saying I should emphasize that, speak about it again to the youth, and as I was like preparing, because I just put everything just in any order, but then when I was actually putting it in order, um, God gave me this adapt on how to like um, live a way that glorifies God and grows your relationship with God. And it was adapt. And the A was for assess and ask. So look at whatever the situation is through God's eyes and then ask someone for advice. Um, mainly emphasize on asking advice with someone that maybe holds you accountable or someone that's like a brother or sister in Christ. And then um, the D was for does this glorify God? Why or why not? So what I said was look at the situation and say, does this glorify God? Would I be able to say, God, um, I'm doing this for you, and this is for your honor, and this is for your glory? And if you can't list any whys, then it's definitely not glorifying God. And then um, the A was for how does it affect my relationship with God? So does this, whatever situation it is or whatever I'm looking to do, does it affect my relationship with God positively or negatively? Does it grow your relationship with God? Does it draw you closer to God or further away from him? And then the P was for um, pray about it and read God's word for wisdom. So prayer is something that's really important. We all know that. And to seek God, even after asking for advice, you still need to seek God yourself and hear what God is saying to you and how he desires to move in your life and how he desires to use you, etc. And then obviously God says that we should ask for wisdom and we can find that wisdom in prayer and we can also find wisdom through his word. And then the T finally is talk to someone who holds you accountable and you can get advice from them. Something that I said earlier on, but it's important to sit down with someone and say, this is what I'm going through. I need advice. Like, how do I move forward? Can you pray for me? Can you pray with me? Someone to hold you accountable and say, remember, we said we're going to pray about this. And then we pray about it. And then after talking, go back to praying. So after you've spoken to that person, maybe they speak telling you, giving you advice from their perspective, but again, what's important is what God desires to do in you and through you, and so, yeah, and then the scripture I shared was just in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Okay, well, my work here today is done, so we, thank, thank you, Vanessa. Yo, with power like that, my job's done. Babe, will you put an ad? We need another. Move, moving on swiftly. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so I put a message together today, and, and if I was to give it a title, it would be this, Saved to Save. Okay, so stick with me. And I love visual representation, so I, I put some, some props together to help us today. And the first, the first prop is this um, basket. And uh, I've got a couple of things in the basket that I want to go through. I'm going to need my fat cakes, I'm afraid. So the first thing I wanted to do in my basket, I've got a bunch of DVDs, movies, entertainment, things that keep us busy. Okay? So now, you, if you're joining the dots already, this basket represents our lives, actually. And our lives are, can be filled with entertainment. Movies, seasons, series, etc., etc. Also, in my basket, also what can attract us is sport. I know someone here named their son after a famous soccer player. I'm not mentioning any names. Eh? Sport. Sport can consume us. Tennis, soccer, rugby, foot, uh, soccer, football, American football, etc., etc. Sport can become something that can dominate our lives. Um, work. Work can be very important. Not so. We want the next promotion. We want a better job, more money, so forth. And then maybe even accolades and recognition. The Be Great Awards 2015, Lindsay Fiamingo treat, <laughs> treat the business like your own from Old Mutual. Well done, babe. Okay, well. Our lives can be like a fool. And then there's other things in our lives that can keep us busy. Maybe family. You know? Yes, I'll get to it, but don't touch my family. I'll do it so long as it doesn't impact my family. Because my family is uber important. In some cases, it's more important than anything else. Then there's other things. Welcome to my last packet of cigarettes I never smoked. 25, 30 years ago. Smoking. It's an addiction. I was very happy to break. But it affected me the rest of my life. But I was stuck in it when I was stuck in it. Or maybe it's a little bit worse. Medication. Know what medication can do. Sometimes we need it and sometimes it takes control. Or worse still. What about if you're using one of these, which you shouldn't be? I know it's a big syringe. You don't want to fill it and pump this into your body, but but if you're addicted to one of these, it's a problem, isn't it? And one last thing I got in here, brokenness. Brokenness can be many things, unforgiveness, anger, abuse, all these things. That can do what? They become the basket of our lives, aren't they? And typically this basket is filled with things that may have been from before you got saved. And most of them you've gotten rid of, but some of them still kind of linger. And I'm going to get back to that. So that's the first thing. Then the second thing, second prop I brought in was the cross. 
And this is a, a cross we made a few years ago when we went camping. And we st stick it up on our campsite. So, you know, if you're going to make a noise, don't make a noise around us. Because <laughs> it's got a point. <laughs> so there's the cross. Cross represents the fullness of God. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And in fact, the culmination of everything that God did for us is in the cross. Okay? And then the last thing I've got, prop number three, is this map of Europe. And uh, I wonder, Pierre, won't you, there's Prestig, will you open it out? And um, you can stick it up on the wall. It doubles and it opens again. There's a sheet at the, yeah, drop it down. And no, you'll have to turn it on its side. Yeah, anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. It's a map of Europe, but it's on its side. Uh, other way. Okay, got it upside down now. And it's a very busy map. And if any of you know Europe, you'll know Spain, France, um, Italy, um, Greece. There's the United Kingdom, Ireland, Norway is up there, etc., etc. And there's Eastern Europe. North of Africa is down the bottom here. And it's a very busy map. Lots of roads, towns, ports. There's even... Uh, Sea passageways showing routes between ports and so forth and so forth. Very, very, very busy, right? Okay, stick with me. Three props. So what do they have in common? Well, we look at that. Millions of people coming and going from one place to another, right? People going to work, tourism. Visit family, going home, delivering goods, buying stuff. And that's before Google came along. I actually used that map in Europe many, many years ago. Uh, nowadays, we just look on our phone. But a very helpful tool if you want to get around from A to B and, and find your way around. Um, and so these three props, our basket, the cross, and the map. Well, let's read 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16. Paul writes, and he says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Well, one of the other versions says, he is a new creation. You are supposed to become a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new is here. All that is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not recounting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. There's three things I want us to remember in that passage. One, we are a new creation. Number one. Number two. God is reconciling us to himself through Christ. What does reconcile mean? It means to restore friendly relations between. 
God wants to restore a friendly relationship between us and him. And three, Paul talks about not counting people's sin against them. So that passage highlights three things. A new creation, a reconciliation, and God not counting his sin against us. Okay. So what sin is Paul referring to? Well, Galatians 3 verse 5, Paul says exactly this. He says, put to death. What did he just write to the Corinthians? He says, I want the old to die. I want to make you a new creation, which means for something new to be put in place, something old needs to die. And Paul's writing here and he says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And he lists these things, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, he warns us the wrath of God is coming. He says, you used to walk. You should have used to walk in these ways, but you should have died to them in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of these things. And then he lists more things. He says, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. We often have to look in the mirror and ask, is that me? Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. You want to judge yourself. In Ephesians 4, he writes from a different perspective. He says, get rid of what? Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Jesus says throughout the Gospels, he says the same thing over and over in Matthew 16, 25. He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Will save it. Or in another gospel, he says, will find it. So there's this emphasis on dying to what? This old sinful nature. Why? So that God can reconcile. So he can make our relationship good again. But there's a putting off. Jesus said you have to die to your old self. But God in his almighty, gracious love doesn't call us to battle against these things alone. Jesus says things like, if you seek me, find me. If you abide in me, you'll produce much fruit. If you draw closer to me, I'll draw close to you. What's he saying? He says, I'm trying to call you away from the things of the world. I'm trying to draw you away <laughs> from this basket to something new. And how do we do this? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, by faith. That Pierre shared the scripture. That woman went to Jesus. Why? By faith. Had she met him? No. She couldn't even get to him. She had to fight her way through to get to him. She may well have heard of the miracles that he'd done. Because people were drawn to him because of his miraculous wonders. So by faith, I can, I can only imagine after 12 years of bleeding, she must have thought, he's here, he's in this town. If I, I want, I just get to him by faith. Touch his cloak. 
God asks us to do the same thing. Will we live by faith? Will we take a stand by faith? Calling on the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us. To do what? Draw closer to God. Away from the things of the world. You see, some of those things in the basket, they're not evil. It's not evil to watch movies or watch series. Not evil. Not evil to watch sports. But God is a jealous God. And he says, do not have any idols. Do not have any other gods other than me. And anything that comes in the way, anything that stands between us and him, anything that distracts us away from him, whether it's listed as malice or anger or bitterness or sexual immorality, doesn't matter. Anything that distracts us from the presence of God, anything that distracts us from seeking him, for being hungry for him or thirsty for him, is sin. Whether it's sexual immorality, murder, or just being drawn away from him. It's by conviction that we turn away from sin. Um, Jesus says in John 16 verse 7, he says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, this version calls him the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then what will he do? He will convict you of sin. And the need to repent. And righteousness, which is God's standard of righteousness and judgment. You see, we need the Holy Spirit to convict us. But the Holy Spirit won't convict you if your heart is hard. He won't. See, in the Old Testament, God gave the people the law to show them the difference between right and wrong. Okay? Did it work? No. Israel got ruled by foreigners over and over and over and over again. People came in, ruled over them, kicked their butt, they cried out to God, God fixed them, killed the enemy, then they rolled away again, and you just go through the judges, and you see over and over again, then you look at the kings, and how they fell over and over and over again. What did the law help? It didn't work. So God in His wisdom has given us the Holy Spirit to convict us of the things that we need to steer away from and steer to God. So we need... We need our hearts and our minds soft and malleable and teachable and willing to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. That's where you step in. Because you can resist the Spirit of God. And God won't convict you of anything. And God will speak to you if you're listening. He'll speak to you through preaching on a Sunday. Speak to you when you have coffee with a friend. I'll speak to you when you read your word. I'll speak to you when you're worshiping. He'll speak to you in your quiet time. If you're listening. Only if you listen. If you harden your heart, you'll not hear God speak. Because he can't. He can only be heard by those that are willing. Willing. To listen. So there's a seemingly ongoing battle 
between the things of the world, way of living that we're familiar with and comfortable and not necessarily bad, but constantly drawing us into that. Because I tell you what, when you're tired, you don't want to read the Bible. You just want to get on the couch and, am I right? I know. I've been there. We used to have DSTV. And when you're a husband and a wife, we don't like watching the same thing. And then you've got two teenage kids. I tell you what, it's rather hard having one DSTV decoder. So what do you do? You find something that you can all watch. Treehouse Masters. Uh, fish tank specialists. Border security. Because everyone can watch that for two hours. And then you go to bed. Is that evil? No. But it's valuable time lost. So the hardest thing that we ever did, not hardest, but one was to switch off DSTV. Actually, no more. The code is gone. The dish is still up. It's gone. And use that time. So people say to me, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how I do it either. But I'm not distracted to DSTV anymore. Because I had my favorite programs, Drugs Inc. Uh, banged Up Abroad, a terrible name for testimonies of people who ended up in jail or etc. etc. Like watching this stuff was like, wow. Like, and to hear their stories, right? But it's actually just bubblegum information. It doesn't change you. It doesn't draw you closer to God. It doesn't make you a holier, more righteous person. It just fills your time. And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to steal, rob your time away from God. We read a short moment ago in Ephesians 4.31 about the terrible things that we should walk away from, rage, anger, brawling, and slander. And then immediately thereafter, so he's, he's described the uh, of the world, the uh, of our lives. And then in the next verse, verse 32, Paul writes and he says, be kind, compassionate, forgiving, just as Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. He's describing the heart of God. He says, run away from all of that and run to the cross. And the cross, God is kind to you first. He's compassionate to you first. He forgives you first. Hey? And then Paul says, so run away from that stuff and come here and learn to do what God has done for you. To be kind. Forgiving. It's a beautiful picture of two sides of a coin, heads and tails. God says, I want you to be a head. I want you to be the other side of the coin. But the problem is, is that because the world is so much in us, dying to self is not a once-off affair. Every day you get up, die again. Every weekend, every holiday, when you've gone away and you 
sleep late like I do when I go on holiday and I don't get up early to read the word and I don't pray as much as I do. And I come back from holiday and then I got to really die to self again because I become lazy and complacent. Am I right? Does this echo with anyone? Just don't put your hand up. Just nod. <laughs> but um, this raging battle that goes on between the world and the cross And the world is ever trying to entice you back to the ways of the world. And then you've got God saying, I'm trying to draw you this way. Keep your eyes fixed on me. We focus on you. Will you give me your heart? um, and And a prime example of this was the, remember the Israelites left Egypt? And in the time of Egypt, if you remember when the plagues were going on, Pharaoh hardened his heart and he got more and more angry with God. And at that time, he was supplying the Israelites with a straw, which they were using to make bricks with. And he got so angry, he said, no, 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 no more straw. Let them go find their own straw and produce the same number of bricks that they were when we were supplying them with straw. The Israelites cried out, how can we do that? And they said, we don't care, and if you don't, we'll beat you. And they beat them. So when they left Egypt, finally, and then the entire uh, Egyptian army was killed when they crossed the Red Sea, free, free from slavery, free from the army, and we're now in the desert. Obviously, they took some food with them. But now the food started running out, and manna and quails hadn't come yet. Okay? Now, the food's starting to run out. We've just been freed from slavery where we were beaten. And this is what they say. Exodus 16. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Listen to this. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you, Aaron and Moses, have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. What? We'd rather be back there eating food, forgetting that we just got beaten. Aren't we the same? When we start to walk away from some of this stuff, it's hard. Not as peachy as it was then. It's not as easy as it was then. Life was comfortable when I was there. But now, but now it's not so comfortable. And Lord, what have you got for me? You see, but if you don't leave Egypt to the desert, you cannot go to the promised land. It was an intermediate phase. God was testing Israel. We know an entire generation died out because they failed the test. We have to leave that behind by faith. Trust God. To lead us where he wants to take us. Takes faith. Takes faith. Trusting God is hard. Keeping our eyes fixed on him is hard. I know. But we mustn't give up. Ask Peter when he stepped out the boat. Kept his eyes fixed on the Lord. And he was walking on water. And then he took his eyes off. And he looked at his circumstances and started to sink. It's the moral of the story. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You have to. 
And he has a sore point, but I had to add it in. So in the church, he says, come to a meeting. Or come to community, or there's a training time going, or what have you. Oh, it's biting into my, it's my resting time. It's my comfort zone. It's my quiet, or it's my, that's my time. It's like a sore point, isn't it? It's like, oh, again, another thing out of the ordinary. It's not the church asking it, it's God asking it. God says, will you make yourself available when I call you? And even if you leave a meeting like today and you go, well, that didn't do much for me. It's a bit of a waste of a message. A bit of a, what do they call it? A lemon. He preached a lemon. Worship was a lemon. I've heard that said. I'm like, Lord, please don't <laughs> just be a lemon. And so, what if God called you to the meeting to endure a lemon? Because maybe he was testing your obedience. He's not going to feed you everything you want all the time. But he wants to check, will you come? Will you go? Even if there's a lemon waiting for you. That's just my disclaimer in case you think this is a. Will you position yourself so that God can work in you and through you? Um, dying to self is a lifelong struggle. In Romans 8. The writer writes, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, or another version says sinful nature, but it is not to the flesh or sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh or sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you'll live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Hallelujah, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God. It's not on your own ability. Just your committed determination to seek and follow the Lord. In Galatians 6, Paul writes, he says, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Paul is appealing in the strongest possible language for people not to give up dying to self, but rather to give every ounce of energy to live properly according to the Spirit. There are many scriptures where Paul writes to encourage to believers. He says, just please keep on keeping on. And this is what I'm asking you today. I'm imploring you today to do that. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He says, run the race to win the prize. He says, don't lose connection with the head, Jesus. He says, stand firm. He says, all these references point to the same thing keeping our eyes fixed on the cross and pressing ahead and drawing close to allow him to reconstruct us into a new creation. God wants to make us into a new creation. Colossians 3, Paul writes again and he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, it's you and I, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. God is saying we need to seek Him. We need to seek Him constantly. I don't know if this is David Pawson saying, if he originally wrote this, but I read it, he quoted it, and it's this. We're not saved by good works. We're saved by faith to do good works. Taking you one step further, we've gone from the basket to the cross and this tussle going on here, but it doesn't end here. Okay, you see, even though we practice good works in and amongst fellow believers, this is easy, it's comfortable, safe, isn't it, this environment? Okay, the greatest work you can do in your life, the greatest work you can do in your life is loving those around you and sharing the good news and the gospel with those that don't. That map, it's just a part of the world. There's a whole big world right around that, full of people. Never heard the good news. They don't, hope, they don't have the hope and the joy that we have. They've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's a long way away. It might be next door to you across the road from you in your office. Jesus never called us to make church our comfort zone. Okay? Of course, this has to be a place where we love one another. It is a place where we should care for one another. It is a place where we get to exercise the gifts that God gives us, where we get to practice preaching and teaching and praying for one another, and even to practice hospitality for others. But it was never intended as the goal. You see, even Jesus didn't plant a church. He didn't plant a church. For three years, he trained 11 men and then appointed others thereafter. And they planted churches. Jesus' goal wasn't to plant church. It was to get people saved. Am I right? And he calls us to do the same. So this home is training ground. That should be our goal. And I want to land with this. Two scriptures because and um, because they sum up. I should have actually just read them and then I could have sat down. But this this scripture sums up, and it's funny because Leroy mentioned it to me yesterday, and I was like, "Oh, bro, we're going there." But I want you to humor me because it's in the message version, okay? And I know that's like I can hear Pierre going, "Oh, oh no, bear with me, okay? Just Pierre, suck it in." I got the microphone. But read it with me, and, and I, I, I want you to mellow on the words. We're going to read three passages, Romans 12, 1. And he writes it this way, and he says, So here's what I want you to do with God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God. God as an offering. It's dying to self. 
Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture, even your church culture, that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Readily recognize that what He wants from you, recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best out of you. Develops well-formed maturity in you. Doesn't that just speak simply and plainly to what God is calling us to? Then I want to link that. So what we've just described is the basket of our lives and the cross. And the cross to that is Matthew 28. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. And he said, God authorized and commanded me to commission every one of you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life. Marking them by baptism in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you, I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. God draws us away, trains us to be so that we can go. Simple. And yet profound. We called out of our worldly ways into Christ-like ways to be a magnet to the world, to draw the world. Amen? Yeah. Oh, no, this is open, Tony. It's like, hey, I'll just preach this thing and then you land it. Um, I do want us to, to respond. And, and, um, <laughs> put the tablet down. A um, few things, just just quickly. Um, I mean, there's it, 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 definitely uh, maybe I can ask the worship team to come up. Always just better with music in the background. Um, the first thing, while we still have Roger and Tracy here, <laughs> um, there's a scripture in the in the Bible that says that, um, where it speaks about the harvest and it says that the harvest is ripe. Therefore, pray for the laborers. Um, and I do want to ask if, well, if you feel that calling, and I'm not talking about you feel like you're going to be the next pastor or whatever the case may be, but if we are honest, how many of us struggle to evangelize? How many of us struggle to preach the gospel? Can I ask us to stand, and I'm going to maybe ask Roger if he can pray over us, um, for God to help us as laborers um, to do this well. Is that fine? Roger, I'm going to pause to you. I'll just put you on the spot. It's okay. Yeah, it's all good. Um, one of my thoughts about evangelizing, it's a, it's a lens through which you view people, that, that this person I'm looking at is, is uh, created by God, is loved by God, 
is important, has a destiny in God. If they would only find it, if they would only seek the Lord through Jesus Christ and salvation. And if you love that person with the love of Christ, that'll overflow and it'll come. And, and um, God will provide opportunities for you and open doors for you to shift a conversation or ask a question and bring up the love of Christ and bring up the idea that, you know what, God loves you and he's got a plan for you. And you need to surrender to him and follow him. So he'll do that. He'll do that for you. But, but first you have to be willing and you have to be ready. And um, you have to overcome fear of man. You got to lay down those things that would present a block from you doing what God has called you to in this. So let's just pray right now. And the first thing I want to ask you to do is offer yourself just what the scripture, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. It's People are willing to die for Jesus, but are they willing to live for Jesus? Are they willing to face fear of man or face rejection or, or embarrassment or whatever you're afraid of in holding back sharing the gospel so if you could surrender yourself to the lord right now in that area and i pray god that you would impart right now to each person who has prayed that prayer of surrender who's who's come to you and said lord um, use me to reach others use me to build your kingdom use me to love people just express your love to others through me. Let me bring life to others. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, an anointing to, to do that. I pray a boldness, a faith. I pray open doors of opportunity, even tonight, even tomorrow, even this week, to speak out the gospel, to change conversations, to ask loving questions that will... Um, open those doors so Holy Spirit do it and grow this church grow your kingdom do your business the things that only do you can do you we can't save anybody we can just share the gospel but you save you've provided the way and we thank you for it Lord so bear much fruit through this group through each of us Lord that your kingdom might come and that we could participate in eternity by serving you in this way. In Jesus' name, amen.